All right, welcome back. So, um, big week for the Spurs during or big day, I guess, when the Hall of Fame ceremony was going on because four inductees were like at some point a part of the Spurs organization. You had Tony Parker going in, Greg Popovich, which is huge because he's from Indiana, so always great to see you guys from Indiana getting in, getting into the Hall. Um, Pau Gasol played for the Spurs towards the end of his career. And even Becky Hammond, she played for the San Antonio uh, WNBA team. So, with that, I decided let's go ahead and do an all-time, all-prime lineup for the San Antonio Spurs, which was harder than I think it was supposed to be um, when you look at this franchise. Obviously, there's been a lot of great players, but, you know, there's just a lot where it was just like, man, you really, sometimes you have to dig. Because, I mean, like, from 99 on, I mean, we know it's Tim Duncan, Tony, Manu, you have Kawhi in there. Um, but, like, before that, you're kind of like, okay, where could I go? So, um, yeah, made that, made the all-prime lineup. We're going to go ahead and do that today. So, go ahead and hit the music. You're listening to The Assist with Trevor Hart. Go ahead and get started with the all-time lineup, or excuse me, all-time lineup. And off the bat, it was an obvious choice. Your starting point guard has to be Tony Parker, just inducted into the Hall of Fame, six-time All-Star, four-time champion. Of course, I mean he's with the Spurs. What else is going to happen? Four-time All-NBA player, 0-1-0-2 All-Rookie, and 0-6-0-7 Finals MVP. Only playing. One year of his career, not in San Antonio, which he was with the Hornets for his age 36 season. Starting out at the age of 19 for the Spurs, he was the youngest player to ever put on the Spurs uniform. Debuted in 2001, 28th pick overall, and apparently had a very bad first workout for the Spurs. Of course, that's what everyone kept saying during the Hall of Fame ceremony. So I'm um, glad that they were able to call him back and they got their franchise point guard. And I was watching some film on all these on all these guys just to fresh my memory on them. God, Tony Parker was just the fastest person there. <laughs> like there was just no other way around it. He was just super quick. Um, a perfect pairing to have with Tim Duncan. And I mean, if you're gonna have a player like Tim Duncan. You really need that point guard to help him get better. Point guard center combo. I mean, that's all. That could be a whole other episode in terms of like what are the best ones ever. Kuzi Russell, uh, Magic Kareem, even like Kareem and the Big O, and when he was with the Bucks, you got uh, well Shaq and Kobe was a shooting guard center duo. But and I mean the big man, you need that and is. Tim Duncan a center I don't know we'll get into that um but yeah you just need that combo to make it to have really good success and uh Tony was the guy uh, they got along really well and it worked under favor you know, I mean even with the finals MVP that makes it even more solidified that he should be your all-time point guard because Tim Duncan was on your team uh, shooting guard, 
Manu Ginobili. Again, this was not even a question. Um, what do you want me to say? Hall of Famer, two-time All-Star, four-time NBA champion, two-time All-NBA, 2 3 All-Rookie, and sixth man of the year in 2008. 57th overall pick in the draft in 1999. Um, probably the best second-rounder ever at the off the top of my head uh he's definitely up there because i'm not sure about rodman because well he started in 87 so well was it a two round he was second round third 27th overall though so really by definition he's a second round pick but 27th overall is still three picks away and this was even when the nba had what 10 rounds Seven. So, yeah. But anyway, for Ginobili, one of the more creative players that you could find, especially in the era they played in, the 2000s, 2010s, um, just crazy how some of the stuff that he would do um, just being able to do some crazy passes and he doesn't look like he should be that great of a passer or a shot maker or the amount of layups that he threw up and they just went in were crazy. Um, it's kind of like some of those clips that I'm not comparing him to him at all, but it's like those clips that you saw of Jordan where, he, he would make any shot he could. It didn't matter if he was on the ground, you know, five feet behind the basket, 20 feet away from the basket. He was just going to make those when he needed to. And, yeah, Manu, who else would you put at shooting guard? I mean, I have a list in front of me. There's just – there's not – there's no one that you'd rather have a shooting guard for all-time Spurs than Manu Ginobili. End of story. Small forward. This also wasn't a hard decision at all. I think many people, especially like now, with, you know, we're more skewed towards what's happened recently. Um, I think a lot of people just off the top of their head, like, oh, Kawhi is probably the best. But it's actually George Gervin, and it wasn't even a debate for me. Um that guy it's a guy who I just wish would get way more credit than what he got. I mean, he's an all-star every year in his career, but two years. And there was his first year and his last year. Um, probably the best the ABA had to offer other than Julius Irving. Um, in fact, they were teammates for when they were in Virginia which is still crazy to me, if I can, let me see here. Yeah, George Gervin and Julius Irving were on the same team. In fact, George Gervin was a shooting guard on that team, in which he's a shooting guard, small forward combo, but I know George as a small forward, and he was for a good chunk of his career. Um, Yeah, that's an insane team. I think... Who was the coach for that Virginia team? Oh, I thought Hubie Brown was the coach for that team at some point. Um, 
Yeah, George Gurren, 25 points per game in his career, Hall of Famer, 12-time All-Star. Again, two of those years he wasn't an All-Star in his career. Four-time scoring champion, seven-time All-NBA, All-Rookie, 72-73 for the ABA, two-time All-ABA, 79-80 All-Star MVP, ABA All-Time Team, and the NBA 75th Anniversary Team. And he won those scoring championships in 77 and 78, 78, 79, and 80 back-to-back-to-back and then took a year off and then went back scoring 30 points a game at in 82. Insane, man. The lowest he ever averaged in his career for points was 14.1 in his rookie season where he only played 30 games. Amazing. I mean, this guy is just one of the best. Obviously, the finger roll is his uh, trademark. I mean, that finger roll, man. There's a really great video by The Ringer and J. Kyle Mann specifically where he talks about the finger roll and how Gervin used it. When I when many people think finger roll, including myself, you think right in front of the rim, just no problem, just up and over, whatever. George Gervin would finger roll from like 15 feet. You know how crazy that is? Like, try it at home. Try to do try to do a finger roll. Period. It's hard enough. But now, t- go out to the free throw line and try to do a finger roll. You just cannot do it, man. And uh. Yeah, Gervin's the all-time small forward. I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, he was picking the third round in 74 for the NBA, and then it's like, I'm going to the ABA. Incredible. And probably one of them, I think, because based on how, I think they did it for the ABA, they just took the best four teams. Uh, Gervin's probably a big part of how the San Antonio Spurs made it to the league. Because, I mean, he was the he was one of the guys in the NBA, um, in the ABA, excuse me, had an amazing duel with David Thompson for the ABA scoring title, which was David Thompson's rookie year because he only had the one year in the ABA. Look that story up, too. That is amazing. It was all in, like, the same night, too, I think, except that, like, I think even the games were happening at the same time. And you just came down to who scored more. That was it. Power forward. Well, it was a tough decision, but I think I kind of have to go with Tim Duncan. Okay, not a tough decision at all. Again, the starting lineup was probably the easiest I've had to do. Um, yeah, Tim Duncan. I have him number seven on my all-time rankings. My number one power forward. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and get into the power forward debate. Um, I've seen... I saw a video last week where it was talking about um, things that people should agree more on but it's for some reason it's a hot take even though it shouldn't be and it was that saying that you know Tim Duncan is a center now 
Tim Duncan, when he played alongside David Robinson, he had to be the power forward. He just had to be. Because that was David Robinson's position. I don't even Dave Robinson, I don't even know if he could have played power forward. Um, but Tim Duncan had that ability where he could kind of step out and do those mid range shots. From 07 on to the end of his career, he played center primarily. Um, and it was saying that he was trying to argue. It was like Tim Duncan played more years at center than he did power forward, even though it's one more year. Like, really, that's what matters. He, play, he played more years at center. He played one more year. He played here. Power forward, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Center, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. God forbid he played one more season, 61 more games. At the end of his career, at age 39, he technically played center. He he is the best power forward ever. There's just no question about it for me. Um, even though I love guys like Dennis Rodman, I love Charles Barkley, KG, those guys. I mean, I love the defensive aspects of them and rebounding. But Tim Duncan was also a really good defender. 15-time all-defensive team. 15-time uh, all-star as well. Five-time scoring champ. Or, sorry, excuse me, five-time NBA champ. 15-time all-NBA. All-rookie. Rookie of the year. Three-time finals MVP. Uh, All-Star MVP in 2000, two-time MVP overall, and then NBA 75th anniversary team. No question to me that the big fundamental is the best power forward ever. Like, and, and even like Anthony Davis, he can be debated. Carl Malone can be debated. But for me, it's between Duncan and KG, probably Barkley throwing him in there. Um... But for me, it's between Duncan and KG, and Duncan just has the edge on him. And I, it's not the championships because, I mean, I've done a whole episode to where I, championships should not matter as much as they do. I saw a video from the same guy arguing that it shouldn't, that that should be the, not the overriding thing, but it should be the most important. Like, the it should have the most weight. No. <laughs> like, just... Look at a guy, see how good they play, and look at the circumstances. Charles Barkley will say it quite a bit. and He did a lot in an interview uh, with Dan Patrick where he just says, Michael has help. Like, Michael just straight up had more help than Chuck did. He's Chuck's like, if you give me Scottie Pippen and all those guys and give me Dennis and all them, yeah, I'm going to win some too. Now, you can take that with a grain of salt. But still, I like just Tim Duncan's style way more than I do Kevin Garnett's. I think that what Tim Duncan is able to do with his players and make them look really good, I think he's the best power forward ever. For a position that is weaker compared to the other positions in terms of his all-time rosters, but Tim Duncan is still one of the best players ever at, at a somewhat weak position. I mean, it's just crazy to me how, you know, Tim Duncan, like, he's the best power forward ever. If you want to call him a center, go for it. I've heard that people try to say Tim Duncan's, Tim Duncan's power forward so he can be the best at that position. 
he's the best of the position. I don't know what else you have to say. So, yeah, Tim Duncan, all-time Spurs power forward. And that means center goes to David Robinson. Again, this was the easiest starting lineup ever. Hall of Famer, 10-time All-Star, 93-94 scoring championship in like one of the most petty ways possible. 91 rebounding champ, 92 block champ, two-time NBA champion, 10-time All-NBA, eight-time All-Defensive, 90 All-Rookie along with the Rookie of the Year, 92 Defensive Player of the Year, 95 MVP, and NBA 75th Anniversary Team. A long list for a guy that started two years later in what he could have, well, he couldn't have because... He went to the Naval Academy, had to serve. So, his 22 and 23, ages 22 and 23, he was in the service. Immediately comes in in 90 and becomes an all-star. He met, he was an all-star every year, except for four years. Uh, one of them, he only played six games. And then after that, he just played, see, 99, he only played 49 games. And then the other two were at the last points in his career, at 36 and 37. Yeah, but the, the, and he's also recorded a quadruple double, um, which is insane to think of, but he did it. Yeah, the scoring championship. Didn't he just, like, absolutely, well, hang on. I need to find my way around basketball reference here. So, David Robinson in this year. Give me one second here. Okay, so, yeah, we go to the game log here, and uh, I think it was it was between him and Shaq and... Uh, I don't even think it was supposed to be close. I mean, it was going to be close, but it was like Shaq was going to get it. I don't think the Spurs needed to play. Or need. I don't think they needed to play Robinson in the last game. It's Clippers, but they did. Or maybe it was just supposed to be light minutes. Uh, he uh, plays 44 minutes. Goes 26 of 41 for 63% from the field. One of two from three. Uh, 18 of 25 from the free throw line. Four offensive rebounds, ten defensive, five assists, two blocks, eight turnovers, two fouls, and uh, yeah, 71 points. And, and that gave him the scoring title for that year at 29.8 points per game, in which if we go to the whole season, and I scroll down here, League leaders in points, David Robinson scored six more points than Shaquille O'Neal for the whole year, points per game. Robinson had 29.8, Shaq had 29.3. And then third place was Akeem Olajuwon with 27.3. So there's a two-point, there's a whole basket gap per game between second and third, and David Robinson is still at the top. So yeah, David Robinson, um... I think in, incredibly underrated. I know NBA 75th team, he won an MVP, 
But I still think he's one of those guys to where people don't recognize him as much. And that's the problem with, like, it's tough with the center position. Because even in that era of basketball, you had Shaq, Hakeem. Those were, like, the guys that really, they were the upper echelon. And then it was, like, David Robinson, Alonzo Mourning. Robinson is a tick above Alonzo. But, man, that's just, it's... That would be a tough world, you know? And also, you're in San Antonio. It's not, like, the hot... It's not the best market. And didn't even win a championship until 99. And when he was 33. And he only played 49 games. So, I can see where that comes from. But, man, he should have way more credit. So, an obvious pick for the starting center position. Next up, Kawhi. Um, this again was not hard. I knew he had to be in the lineup. It's just like how far up the lineup would he be? Finals MVP over B of the Heat, five time All Star, uh, 2015 Steel Champion, two time NBA Champion, that other one coming with the Raptors, seven time All Defensive, five time All NBA, All Rookie in 2012. Two times Finals MVP again with Toronto. Was one with Spurs, one with Toronto. Two time Defensive Player of the Year, All Star MVP in twenty twenty, and then NBA seventy fifth anniversary team. Yeah, I mean Kawhi is just one of my favorite players. I mean, for those that know me or listen to games I broadcast or to this podcast enough, everyone should know. I love defense. It's, it's how I really got to play at a varsity level because, you know, the defense, defensive area of my game was not incredible. Well, I mean, I won defense player year for my team in my junior year, but I just liked playing defense more, and it was enough to where I wasn't like a lockdown guy, but if you had me on your best player, I was going to make it tough on them. Are they going to score? They're going to score. But are they going to score less with me on them? Yes, because they're going to have to make tough shots in order from if I'm on them. That's normally how it went. So I love watching guys like Kawhi. Um, I love... Watching guys, I mean, Tim Duncan, we mentioned with the defense and stuff. Rodman, we'll get to him later. Gary Payton, I love watching those guys. And for someone like Kawhi to come in at a point in time where offense is as high as ever, and for this guy to have an old-school kind of mentality where really good in the mid-range, but also an incredible defender, I was hooked right away uh, just because of that. And so him winning a championship with the Spurs really helped. Him being the guy in San Antonio after all those guys, those elder statesmen had left, Tony, Manu, Tim Duncan, after they had gone, him still being the guy and then being successful, I think is great. And uh, yeah, Kawhi. That's obvious for me, again. Uh, number seven, Alvin Robertson. I'll throw in my backup point guard. I, you know, when I think of Alvin Robertson, I think of the Hawks. Not the Hawks, the Bucks. 
Uh, but he started his career in San Antonio. He was a three-time All-Star in San Antonio. He played one, two, three, four, five years in San Antonio, and then three and a half in Milwaukee. Um, I just remember him being uh, him and Sidney Moncrief were like one of the they're probably the best defensive backcourt duo ever. I don't think there's any other way around it. So, yeah, Robinson, four-time All-Star. Three-time steel champion. All-NBA in 86, six-time All-Defensive. Defensive Player of the Year in 86 while in San Antonio in his sophomore year. And 86 most improved player also in his sophomore year. So a big jump for Alvin Robertson. Went from 9.2 in his rookie year to 17 flat in his second year. So, yeah, I threw in Alvin Robertson. Um, it's, you know, shooting guard, but I remember him and Moncrief were kind of that duo. So, I've to me, he's interchangeable. Although Moncrief is his second position as a point guard. To me, he's interchangeable, but you can throw him in at the point guard, shooting guard, whatever, because we got other really good guys. Uh, eighth spot, LaMarcus Aldridge. Again, a guy where you look at him and you think Portland. He played a majority of his career in Portland, but he ended up playing one, two, three, four, five and a half seasons in San Antonio, but in San Antonio, he's a three-time All-Star, so I think we're f- I'm fine with putting him on the all-time San Antonio roster. Seven-time All-Star, again, three of those in, the, in San Antonio, five-time All-NBA, and an 07 All-Rookie team member. Um, yeah, one of those guys who was... Able to bring the power forward kind of back to an older school kind of thing. Like, he wasn't an incredible three-point shooter. I mean, for his career, 32%. That's actually not great at all. Um, but he hit 59, not 15, 49% field goal. I mean, just really good. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And him teaming up with Kawhi really helped them. Again, once all those guys left, like Duncan, Parker, Ginobili, once they left, Aldridge helped out right away. And he averaged 23.1 in his second year in San Antonio. That was his first All-Star. No, second All-Star in San Antonio. And, yeah, just really good. He never averaged under, well, if you count the half season that he had in 2021 in San Antonio, 13.7, but other than that, he never averaged under 17 in San Antonio, which is really good. I mean, that's the way that the Spurs play. I mean, that's really good because they really like to share the ball. Number nine, Artis Gilmore. Again, a guy where I was like, he's definitely an all-prime guy. But Artis played, because when I think of him, I think ABA with Kentucky, and then I think Chicago foremost in Chicago he played one two three four five six years and San Antonio one two three four five years six and a half years in Chicago he played uh, right at the end of his career again in Chicago but again Gilmore was a two-time all-star in San Antonio just crush 
field goal percentage records, and I think, well, for a long time until I looked it up today, uh, he held the all-time NBA field goal percentage record. God, just look, and he killed our rebounds too. Artist is one of those guys where lost in time, really. I mean, just because a lot of really good centers are, you know, better than artists, but man, an impending force, especially in the ABA. He was like, he, he was one of the guys in the ABA along with George Gervin, Julius Irving. Um, I would like to say that some of the Pacers were the guys, but I think the Pacers just as a team were great in the ABA. But Artis was right there, and man, he was really good. So, yeah, had to throw in Artis Gilmore as my backup center. Him backing up David Robinson, are you kidding me? That's good luck to any other team that has to deal with that. Tenth. Man, James Silas. Um, who he after watching some videos, I had no idea. I'm gonna be real with you. I had no idea who he was. He he was the guy before George Gervin got there, and two time All Star, uh, All Rookie in '73 for the ABA, two time All ABA and ABA All Time Team. Just uh. What was his nickname? Captain Late. I mean, he was the guy on their team, the captain of them. And once he got out of the ABA, it wasn't that great. Um, Of course, he didn't play that much in two seasons afterward. Then he kind of got back to it around that 17 points per game. But, uh, yeah, I have him as backup point guard, and he's also considered a shooting guard, so I think him and Robertson – can him and Alvin Robertson can go back and forth, and I don't think it'll be an issue. Uh, number eleven, Sean Elliott. Um, this was tough because you know Sean Elliott is like, other than David Robinson, he's the guy that you think of for the Spurs in the nineties, especially the early nineties. Um, I mean he's really good. I mean he's a two-time All Star. But I looked at Terry Cummings, and, you know, they average the exact same points, I think 14.4, while with the Spurs. Uh, And I love Terry Cummings. I mean, he's just an athletic freak. Um, But I went with Elliott because, you know, he did it over nine seasons. I think Cummings did it over five. So, I mean, that means something more. And Sean Elliott kind of started this whole thing with the Spurs winning so much in 99 uh, with the conference finals against Portland. I think I was watching a video on it earlier today. It was game two against the Trailblazers, a Memorial Day miracle. He hits that shot, and that kind of propels the Spurs into the 99 finals, which they win against the Knicks, and then propels them ever forever further into the stratosphere and where they win all those championships with Tim Duncan. So I I I had to include him in there. If it wasn't for Kawhi, he would be in that second rotation, but I mean, come on man, it's Kawhi. 
And then I had Larry Keenan. Um, Let's see here. And he was a guy, he was kind of there at the same time as George Garvin was. Averaged a lot of points. Like, good lord, his time in San Antonio. Starting in 75-76 in the ABA. 18.7, then right into the NBA, 21.9. 20.6, 22.1, 20.1, He was a two-time All-Star in San Antonio in the NBA. Uh, just an incredible score. And from what I was watching film on, a great, really nice, smooth shot. Uh, but really good around the mid-range. And also, if he missed his own shot, he was going to get the rebound. He would get his own board and uh, go ahead and put it up. So, yeah, I threw him in and last, uh, I didn't know a lot. And that's why I said, like, you would think with the Spurs it'd be easy just go, oh, yeah, go to their championship teams, look at their best players and get that. I did that, but for, like, all those championships, it was three guys, Duncan, Manu, Parker. And then you throw in David Robinson because you have to. George Gervin is, like, I mean, he's the Iceman. Kawhi, good. And then after that, it gets hard. And, uh, yeah, that's the all-time team. So, yeah. Uh, man, this is going long. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, it It's tough when, you know, I don't rec- I record now every other week, and I'm hoping that will change soon once basketball gets starting to pick back up. When I don't talk about basketball for – for like a certain length I really want to talk about it so um, we'll go ahead and get into the all prime team this should go quicker just because I mean these guys are definitely names you should recognize from outside the Spurs organization so yeah all prime starting point guard I put I want to Louis Dampier um I was watching a king of the fourth quarter video which shout out to Kenny by the way I mean he's he He's been killing it basically his whole career. Um, he was doing this thing where it was like all-time teams and the Spurs were in there and they had Louis Dampier. And he's like, I have, I was like, why is this guy in the all-time Spurs? Because when you look at his Spurs numbers, they're not good. 6.6, 9.1, 3.9 points per game. You got to go to the ABA when he was with the Colonels. In Kentucky, alongside Artis Gilmore, where you really see that. I mean, his three-point percentage. He's one of the better three-point shooters in ABA history. I mean, he led the league in three-point percentage, 38%. But, man, I mean, just lights out. Really good rebounding numbers for a guy his size. I mean, he's six-foot flat, averaging around three to four rebounds. Getting about five assists, playing a lot of minutes, forty, nearly forty or forty plus. And I mean, a twenty-point score for his first three years in professional basketball is crazy. He's also from Indiana, so that helps. Um, but yeah, threw him in there. Shooting guard Dale Ellis, known more for being on the Bucks, but a straight-up sniper. His total, his three point percentage for his career is forty point three percent. Um, and that's I mean, 
shooting three and a half a game. Consider, I think Sports Illustrated, they had a basketball book. I think he's considered one of their better shooters ever. He's an all-star also, which he did on Seattle. Um, I know him more for the Bucks, but for some, I don't know why, he only played a year and a half there. But, uh, yeah, Seattle should be where I recognize him from. But I don't, why do I think of Milwaukee? I don't know. I think of the weirdest things when I think of players. Um, yeah, I had to throw him in there. Small forward, Dominique. The human highlight reel himself, Dominique Wilkins. Um, yeah, if it wasn't for Larry Bird being in his way all the time, we would consider him one of the best small forwards ever. I've, we still sh- we still do, or we sh- still should. Man, those battles of Larry Bird, though, watch those tapes. Good God, they're incredible. Also, I mean, his dunk package. Incredible. One of the more ferocious dunkers you'll ever see. And, you know, you'll go back and watch some of those dunk contests where he's going up against Jordan. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, it's still impressive, but you're like, man, he just loves punishing that rim. Where, like, Michael was so graceful about everything, he kind of glides through the air. Dominique was pure power, and my God, you better not be in his way. Um, so, yeah, I had to throw in Dominique, small forward. Power forward, a guy we mentioned earlier, Pau Gasol. Newly inducted member into the Hall of Fame. Um, was, a group, was a good power forward. Goes to the Lakers and becomes Kobe's second guy that he needed after Shaq. And they end up winning two championships because of that. Uh, yeah, no, and I mean, also with Powell, they were talking about this. I think during the red carpet of the Hall of Fame where it's like, you also have to include Powell's overseas, like Olympic record. Where, I mean, he led Spain to so much. I mean, Spain became a powerhouse because of Powell. And Marcus Saul also, but Powell was like the main one. Um, yeah, had to throw in Powell Gasol there. Center. My favorite one of my favorites. I've did a, I've done a whole episode on him. Mr. Fofo Fo himself. Moses Malone, the chairman of the boards. Um, yeah, played for the Spurs for I think like one the one of the last years in his career. Um let's see here. In his 20 years, his last year was with San Antonio. Only played 17 games and averaged 2.9 points per game. Uh, how many rebounds? 2.7 rebounds. So, I mean, good enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I've talked about Moses at, at nauseum pretty much to probably all you listening. Just one of the first guys to come from high school of course, he went to the ABA. But, man, the amount of credit that he gets actually makes me mad. Three-time MVP. And I, weren't those... I'm pretty sure they weren't, two of those were back-to-back. I think it was his last year in Houston, his first year in Philadelphia. Which, by the way, he helped Philadelphia get over the hump to win those to win that 83 championship. Um... The rebounding defense, you just have all of it with Moses. And uh, Moses is like my, uh, he's always my go-to guy on either hoop grids, crossover grid, or immaculate grid, where 
there's a there's a really good chance that there's different combinations and Moses will be there. Because um, played in Buffalo, which is the Clippers franchise, Houston, Philadelphia, Bullets, the Hawks, the Bucks, the Spurs. Um, he gets the rebounding numbers. He he most of the time gets the scoring numbers. Um, if they have all-star requirements, he was what a 13-time all-star. So, yeah, Moses just ticks all the boxes um, on, on that. And that's always like one of the first things I do. And get and I hope I'm not giving up the secret. Almost no one guesses Moses. The only time that like he'll have a high a higher percentage is like Sixers Rockets. Then like maybe it'll be like 14% of people will guess Moses. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Of course, a lot of like, will go to James Harden. But still, I mean, Moses should be... He just needs so much more credit. End of story. Six man, Terry Porter. Uh, the point guard that was alongside Clyde Drexler. For the, for the Trailblazers, I mean... A guy who, I mean, he's a solid point guard. He's a two-time All-Star. Um, played in Miami, which we knew that because I think he was on the All-Prime Heat team. Also Minnesota. But mainly known for Portland. Uh, highest he ever averaged in points was 18.2. Well, he was in Portland. Uh, the assist numbers, I mean, he averaged a double-double in his third year in the league, 14 points, 10 assists, almost 15 points. Uh, always hovering around that 8-9 to nine assists a game for a while, and then it kind of dips down really low. But yeah, I I just like Terry Porter. He's one of those guys where I, I think he should get more credit, but then when I look at it, I'm like, man, how much of that was Clyde? But I don't know. I, I have to watch film on him. And now here comes the most hurtful portion of this roster. The seventh man is Dennis Rodman. It hurts so bad because I love Dennis so much. Um, it really hurt to put him, to not have him in the starting lineup. I mean, pow, pow is pow. And also, I kind of... Uh, I made myself feel better by saying, you know, I bet a starting lineup with Moses and Dennis Rodman would not work out because Moses is going to get all those rebounds. I mean, what, then what is Rodman really good for? I mean, he wasn't the best shooter. I mean, the only great thing he had on offense was getting offensive rebounds and putting them back for dunks. He could throw a pretty good outlet pass. Definitely a great defender. Don't get me, I mean, obviously, but, yeah, that, that was my rationale. I mean, Moses is going to get all his boards, and then when Moses is tired, go get Rodman. Put him in. He'll be your consistent rebounder. So, yeah, threw him in. Number eight, Cliff Hagen. Now, I had no idea that this would have even been a possibility. But towards the last three years of his career, Cliff Hagen played in the ABA for the Dallas Chaparrales, which then became the Spurs. Cliff Hagen was also the coach 
So we have a player-coach situation. Then he got fired, looks like, halfway through the year in his third season in 1970. Um, yeah, weird. Cliff Hagen, I mean... Hall of Famer, six-time All-Star, really good. I mean, he was a part of the trade that sent Bill Russell to the Celtics. If I can find transactions without scrolling all the way down. Transactions. Drafted by the Celtics in the third round of 53, and then six, oh, three years later, traded by the Celtics with Ed McCauley, to the St. Louis Hawks for Bill Russell. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't think uh, Hagen was fired. He. It says here, January 14th, 1970, announced retirement. So, yeah. Uh, I'm assuming that had to have been a territorial pick for the Celtics because three years after being drafted, he then, well, he's from Kentucky. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, he's part of probably the most important trade in NBA history. If you're really looking into it, it's not a blockbuster deal of, of sorts, but just for what it would lead to, it's one of the biggest domino effect trades ever. And, uh, yeah, Cliff Hagen was part of it. And now he's a part of the all prime Spurs roster. Number nine, Steve Smith. I mean, just straight up sniper again. I mean, it was a tough decision between Dale Ellis and Steve Smith, but for what I wanted in the starting lineup, um, there wasn't a lot of shooting, so I wanted a higher percentage to get in there, and that was Dale Ellis. So Steve Smith, just throw him in there. Number 10, Swen Nader. And I I don't know if this is embarrassing to – I I wouldn't think so because – Swen Nader played in 19, played from 74 to 84. Started out in the ABA. Um, this whole time, I had heard Swen Nader's name, and you know, I thought he was a point guard this whole time. Like, swear to God, I thought that he was just like another, like Gail Goodrich, but worse. Um, he's a he's a six eleven center. He's from the Netherlands. He went to UCLA. I knew he went to UCLA. Um, yeah, that kind of, it's like, it blew my mind. But at the same time, I'm like, how did you never look into this? I, I just always assumed. Um, he was the best center I could find. Or Mo, Moses, and I didn't even know he was a center, so go figure. He averaged double-doubles for his career, 12.4 points, 11.6 rebounds a game. 53% from the field, uh, whopping 10% from three. 74% from the free throw line. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I always thought he was a point guard. I don't know why. He even won rookie of the year in the ABA. How did I not? How did I not? I two-time all-star too. I mean, and Oh, okay. That was confusing me. I see four stars here, but he was traded halfway through. He won rookie of the year in San Antonio. Should he have been on the all-time San Antonio roster? No, he couldn't have been because their centers are too stacked. 
Uh, but this is the best one I could find. When I, I don't think – I think Clippers when I think Swinnator. I do not think Spurs. But apparently he was the best when he was with the Spurs. So I don't know. We'll just keep him in. Um, last two spots. Uh, back – the backup point, the backup to the backup point guard. I threw in Mo Cheeks. Um, I thought him and Moses would just be good. I mean, they were both on those 76ers teams. I mean, and Mo's a really good point guard. I've super underrated. And number 12, felt like we needed a little more shooting. I mean, so technically, I think he's a power forward, but you could probably throw him in a small forward. Power forward, small forward. I went with Robert Ori. I mean, big shot Bob. He's just going to shoot the heck out of the ball for you. Um, career percentage, 34%, surprisingly, from three. But, yeah. Decided to go ahead, get more shooting. I was going to put in Glenn Robinson. I mean, I, I always got to put in the big dog whenever I can. But the it, it seemed a little too big, and I was like, you know what? I'll throw in our point guard, get Mo Cheeks. Robert Ory was going to be in there just because he can really shoot the ball. And imagine a lineup of Dampier, Dale Ellis. You can throw Steve Smith at small forward. Robert Ory, I mean, keep Moses in just for rebounding. My God, that's that's one for the ages right there in terms of shooting. Also, if you miss a shot... Good chance Moses will get it. So, yeah, that's the all-prime team. Um, just a recap for the all-time roster. Your starters are Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, George Gervin, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, with Kawhi Leonard being your sixth man, followed by Alvin Robertson, Lamarcus Aldridge, Ars Gilmore, James Silas, and then the last two not getting a ton of minutes are Sean Elliott and Larry Keenan. And then your all-prime team starters are Louis Dampier, Dale Ellis, Dominique Wilkins, Pau Gasol, and Moses Malone. Six-man is Terry Porter with Rodman coming up behind him. Then Cliff Hagen, Steve Smith, Swen Nader, the center, Mo Cheeks, and Robert Ory not getting too many minutes in those last two spots. So that will be it for this week. I just want to thank you for listening once again. Uh, not sure what will be coming up here in the next couple weeks. We're playing it by ear. I do have a big um, plan for episodes 95 to 100. So, um, yeah, excited for that. Unbelievable. We're, we're about to hit 100 episodes of this. That's crazy to me. Um, I, but I love doing it. I mean, it went by really quick. I really love doing this. So, yeah, once again, that will be it for this week. Just be sure to follow me on Twitter, at TFR00, and I will talk to you in, I guess, two weeks. Peace.